we can all achieve a level of wealth, and I said not just financially, that helps us sustain a life where we don't have to worry about if we have $500 saved for emergency expense. Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. Uh, We are on a mission to inspire new thoughts and dialogue by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. My guest today is John Mendez. John is the host of Walk to Wealth podcast, as well as a realtor, investor, social media guru, and serial entrepreneur. John is passionate about guiding others towards their financial goals and achieving financial independence. Welcome to the show, John. Heather, uh, just from our, our conversation before we record, um, I'm excited for this. So I'm excited to see where we're going to take this conversation. You got a lot of energy. I have a lot of energy. So let's see where it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, me too. I, I'm pumped. We, I always like to start by, because of course the intro is like a little bit of a high rate light reel of like labels and titles of things that you do. So I like to start with like having you tell us a little bit about yourself personally. So and we're really looking for kind of the origin story. So where did you grow up? What is your family structure like? Religion, politics, anything that is important that helped form who you are today? Yeah. So to take you guys back to the time machine, I grew up in the projects. It was about nine of us in a two bedroom. My mother suffered from mental health issues. So as a kid, it's really hard to grasp a lot of that stuff. And for me, I just knew that she wasn't a mom I needed or wanted her to be. And so me and her didn't really have the best relationship growing up. My father was absent. My grandparents on my Dominican side of the family raised me. So they've been here close to 30 years now and probably know, aside from like, thank you and you're welcome, no other words of English. So that's fun growing up in a Dominican household. That was super fun. I started going to church around third grade is when I started going to church. So that played a big role in my life. And growing up in the projects, growing up in the hood, it's something where it allowed me to be very open-minded because I didn't really have any role models I wanted to model myself after. I was able to take all the good parts of people and try to implement that in my life. You know, the bad parts of people I would try to leave out of my life. And I kind of just became this big melting pot of different perspectives and new ideas as I was growing up. And once I got to middle school, I started to cultivate that a little bit more. And I would, we do these things in class called philosophical chairs. And we would like split the class up into two sides. Like what's the best dessert, brownies or cookies? And I'm a cookies guy. So a lot of times people would all be on the cookie side. Now we just go to the brownie side because there were less people on there and I wanted it to be an even match. And so I would always hop into different shoes and try to get new perspectives like that. And I was always a very curious person and I always loved wondering, you know, figuring out what made people take. And so that started to develop as I grew up and I just kept on nurturing and cultivating that curiosity. And that helped me to become a lot wiser than most people my age. And so that's pretty much how I came about being who I am today. But Sounds like the entrepreneurship, my big epiphany really happened during the pandemic when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I kind of jumped down this personal finance rabbit hole. And then from there, when I went back, well, when the spring semester of college started back up, it's like I had already seen the light and now I have to go back to taking regular gen ed classes that weren't going to do anything for me or for my life. It's like I can't go back to unseeing the light. So with the world being uncertain, the only thing I was certain of was myself. So I decided to drop out of college get into entrepreneurship, and I never looked back since, and now I'm here talking to you today. Boom. I love that. The only thing you're certain of is yourself. So, so valuable. So the show is obviously called Diversity on Fire. 
I usually start by asking um, one of a couple questions. I'm starting to switch it up a little bit. So the term inclusion, what does it mean to you? The term inclusion means to me, it's a pretty simple answer. I don't have any philosophical answer, but just like that people have the opportunity to play the game. Everyone can be included. It's not like you have pitchforks against you, like kicking you out. That's what I feel like inclusion it means, at least to me personally. Okay. And so do you know, can you remember a time, if any, you don't have to make anything up, but is there ever a time that you can imagine yourself being in where you weren't included? Like you were either specifically excluded or maybe you were othered? There was probably one point in my life where there was anything where I felt like that doesn't really make any sense as to why that is. And I had this internship in college. Oh, not in college, high school. It was my senior year, the last couple of weeks before we graduated. And it was at a financial institution. And for prom, I was going to get my hair braided. And so we already had the day off for prom because they knew we were high school seniors. So they were all going to give us an intern to day off for that day. And it was only a three-week internship. It wasn't like a, something major. But for the day before is when I was getting my hair braided. So I can have, I wasn't going to do it the day of because that's way too much work. So the person who's our boss technically was like, it's okay, John, you don't have to come in for the day before. And I didn't really understand why. And kind of pretty much without saying it, it was like, because I had my hair braided. But that's probably the only time where I felt as if like, okay, that's weird. Like, why? And that's also the reason why I'm glad I went down the entrepreneurship path. Because when you're your own boss, you don't have to worry about things like that. So that was probably the only point in my life where I actually realized something where I was like, okay, that's weird. That is weird. And so we are only recording audio. So just so everybody knows, you have fabulous hair. And I saw an image on your um, social media that I thought was freaking hilarious. Yet one of your uh, projects is called Stop and Stare. And like your shirt says, stop and stare, just don't touch the hair. And I was like, yes. It's phenomenal. All right, cool. So that's, I mean, it's honestly refreshing to know that that was kind of one of your own experience, only experiences, because I've heard, you know, some people have a lot more. So I feel like that's nice that you didn't have so many. Speaking of your shirt, I think, I don't know if this was on the same time or not, but you shared your keynotes, your first keynote speech that you did on your podcast, and I got to listen to it. And you talked about what wealth means. So I want to know if you can share a little bit about this now, because you decide what it means to you. Kind of that was your point, right? It's not, it's kind of fluid. It's different for everybody. So how did you decide what it meant to you? Yeah, so wealth to me means it's about abundance in all your areas of life. I think a lot of people confuse wealth with riches. And that's why so many people live an unfulfilled life is because they're pursuing wealth. And a simple term for wealth, a simple definition you could use is how long could you live without having to work? That is kind of like what wealth really means. but I think true wealth is more so abundance, really, is what I use. Wealth is just more so the buzzword that it more people rings more more eyes, I guess you could say. But wealth to me really means about abundance in all your areas, like wealth in your relationships, wealth in your business, wealth in your your own well being personally, wealth in your health, right? All these different aspects that you want to have wealth and abundance in. That's just the monetary side of things, because that leads to a lot of money in the empty shell, which never is a good formula for a happy life or a fulfilled life. Yeah, I, I agree so much with that. And I appreciate the fact that 
and I don't know how you came up with the name of your podcast, but when I think mm -hmm. about it, I feel like it makes sense. You're not saying, hey, look at my flashy this or that. You're saying walk with me and we'll we'll gain wealth or create wealth together. Is that am I getting it right or am I totally making it up? You pretty much hit it right on the money, okay. honestly. Which is like you're probably one of the first people to hit it right on the money. If the story is quick and easy. It's for the ninety nine percent of us that aren't overnight sensations, it's a long walk to wealth. And some may walk faster than others, but what good is sprinting to the finish line if you pass out when you cross it? So you pretty much hit it right on the money. All right. That's fantastic. So when you have this in mind, do you feel like the idea of creating wealth, do you feel like that stemmed from your early childhood years in terms of like the need and the desire to create that for yourself because maybe you didn't have it then? It, honestly, it didn't really, none of that, that actually clicked for me until I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Prior to that, it's like I was all school came super easy to me. I was always a smart kid, but I was never thinking about entrepreneurship or business or money or finances or anything like that or index funds or trading or any of the buzzwords that a lot of people my age now or like in, in that age group are starting to get into now. I'm, I mean, I'm 21, so I was just that age group not too long ago. But for me, it's like I was always a student athlete, so I never really had that much time to get after it and try to work or start my own business or sell sneakers or things like that. And I was able to see a very, very wide spectrum of wealth. And I know people that are serving tons of time in jail. And I know people that have summer houses in the Hamptons. And being able to see both sides of the, both extremes on the spectrum was definitely an eye opener. But it wasn't until reading my stat board that I went on my entrepreneurial rabbit hole and then i was like all this stuff that i'm learning all these people that i'm meeting if i could just share that with other people while i'm still on the way and you mentioned too in your definition i always say that when i'm being interviewed that what separates me from most people is that i didn't wait to become quote-unquote successful before i started giving back i'm documenting my journey while i'm still loading the ship i'm still at the dock loading up cargo most people wait until they're all the way out in the middle of the scene. It's like, hey, I made it. Come, you know, come set sail. And it's like, they're so far away that most people don't resonate with them. And like with me, it's like, not saying that this is better or makes me a better person, but it's like, I'm still in the beginning of my journey. I'm still in the beginning stages. And I'm just documenting that in real time in hopes that through my journey and through me documenting it in real time, that it hopefully inspires and educates other young people that know that the traditional track is something that they don't want to get themselves into, but don't really know where to go for help or for advice or for guidance. And so it's like, hey, like there's another world out there that you can tap into that is accessible for all of us. It's just sometimes they need just a little bit of guidance or someone that they can resonate with or look at and see like, hey, oh, John's just right there still. And a lot of the people that I'm targeting are the age group of the people I went to high school with. It's like, there's no excuses for you not to try and figure this out. Because I'm literally the same age group of the people you went to high school with, and I'm trying to figure it out in real time. Yeah, and it's so important because the dynamics of how we work is shifting. We're watching it shift. Like if you're paying attention, I guess even if you're not paying attention, you've got to be able to recognize like the the 1099s versus the W-2s and, and remote work versus going into work. All of that's shifting really rapidly. So it's really important. And when you say that, you know, and it makes me think of this little phrase. Um, see if I can remember it. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so that's what I think about when you say, you know, walking together towards this goal, as opposed to trying to like beat everybody out and then being like, okay, hey, you guys can come meet me here now, you know? 
you met or spent a day with a billionaire. Talk to me about that. What was that like? That was definitely a super mind-blowing experience. I'm actually going to go back this year again to go spend another day. So every year, Keller Williams has this event called Quantum Leap. It's an event for young adults. And you get to spend a day with Gary Keller, the founder of Keller Williams, who is a billionaire. And one of the things that I've realized, I took away tons of nuggets, but one of the main things I've realized is that the difference between someone like us, quote unquote, regular people, and someone that has reached the pinnacle of success is like the stuff that they preach, the way they live their life, that information that they spew, it's almost ingrained into their, or tattooed into their genetic makeup. That's what it seems like. It seems like all the stuff that he was spitting out and saying, all the knowledge and the gems was literally etched into his genetic coding as he was being formed. Like that's what it seems like, like all that stuff. And not just something he can recall because he read a book or listened to a podcast last week. It's like, no, this is his life. It's all this wisdom, these nuggets. This is his actual life plan that he lived out. And so that was probably the big difference because there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but not a lot of people that know a lot of things and do a lot of things. And he's done a lot of things and was able to accomplish a lot. And so the big difference is just how where he spoke from really was different than most other people who talk a good game, but don't haven't really achieved much. And there's a, a bunch of other nuggets I could probably get into, but that was probably the biggest takeaway in realizing like, if you want to succeed at that level, you have to gain absolute clarity as to what it is that you want to do and need to do in order to get there. I think that's one of the hardest things for people is to gain that clarity. And I don't know if it's because there's self-doubt. I've heard of this concept. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called prospection. It's like a psychological concept where like we can have reflection. We can look back at our past and we can remember lessons that we learned. But prospection is, is looking forward. And it's really hard to look forward and envision in detail, in like really specific detail, what that future is going to look like. And the whole concept is if you get so much clarity on what that looks like and it's not fake it till you make it. It's like a it's like a combination of fake it till you make it and manifestation because you decide where you want to go and then you say, "Okay, when I'm there, how am how am I going to act?" So let me act that way today. Um so that's really interesting because I've I've met a billionaire as well, but I didn't get like, I wasn't in close proximity with him the whole, well, I was on a ship with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he So uh, Richard Branson, it was his birthday cruise last summer and he was on the boat with us the whole time. So the thing that I took away was just the, it sounds weird, like the normalcy. I think we blow up what these people are like as giants, but they're just humans that have repeated the same thing over and over and over again. I think it's really cool. I want to add something too that you mentioned there. That fake it till you make it thing is something that I hate to hear people yeah. spit out as advice because it's such BS advice. And it's not your mindset. There's no affirmation that you can spit into a mirror enough times to make you act against your identity, make you act against your belief. Like it doesn't matter how much mindset works that you do. You're always going to stand back to your standards and what you truly believe. Right. So if you believe that you're a failure and you go into the mirror and say, I'm a billionaire, I'm a money magnet and money flows to me with ease and whatever the affirmation is. Right. And you believe deep down that you're a failure, you will forever be a failure. Right. And I use failure. That's a bad example. But the difference between failing is actually a good thing because it means that you can grow. But that's neither here nor there. 
we're going to stay on this example for the time being, right? It's something where fake it till you make it is a scarcity concept. And when you're thinking abundantly, it's, I haven't found a better way to word this because it sounds so corny, but believe it till you achieve it, right? Or see, see it till you achieve it, right? Because if you don't believe, then no matter, like no book that you read, no mindset work that you do or affirmation that you spit out is going to make you achieve the things that you can, you want to achieve because you always just fall back to the level at which you're already vibrating at. So it's like pretty much not saying that, let's say you want to become a billionaire. You don't go in a mirror and say, I'm a billionaire, but you visualize it. And then you say, I'm on the journey to be a millionaire. You're not gonna, you don't lie to yourself. Lying to yourself is not what you want to do because then you're not going to have trust in yourself to be accomplished the things that you want to accomplish. And when life hits the fan, right, then it's like, well, now you're swimming, you know, the, what's the saying of, uh, they only find out you're swimming naked when the tide goes out. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. So it's like something like that. I think it's a Warren Buffett quote. And it's like, you're, well, you're swimming naked essentially, but you don't have to swim naked. You can be honest, like, hey, I can't really swim, but I'm learning how to swim. And that's a lot better to go about. That way you're not lying to yourself and you can embrace the fact that you're on a journey to wherever it is that you want to take it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's the difference between like delusion and understanding that it takes time to get somewhere and believing that you can get there with time. Yeah, I completely agree. So, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of along the same path. I, you know, as I look at your information and kind of getting prepared for this conversation, you seem like a super passionate person to me in terms of like you're pursuing your goals and all this stuff. But I also saw you mention somewhere that you think that passion and having a why, or maybe it's relying on the why, can lead you astray. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I'll start off with passion because this is always the easiest one to break down. But I read it in this book called The Purpose Factor. And the Oxford definition for the word passion is a barely controllable emotion. So now replace that with all the business slogans and the pieces of advice that have been thrown of us. Pursue your passion. Pursue, turn your passion into a business, into a business. Monetize your passion. Now replace it with its dictionary definition. Pursue your barely controllable emotion. It doesn't sound like good advice. Not the best advice that you want to tell somebody, especially someone that's emotional, right? Don't pursue your barely controllable emotion, especially in business with money's on the line, right? So a lot of times people, they add their own flavor to how they dress. They add their own flavor to how they dance. They add their own flavor to all these different things. And one of the things they add their own flavor to is their words. Not really realizing that words have actual definitions. And just because that word you think has its own meaning for you, it doesn't. There's actual definitions to word. Like you can literally look in a book and you see the definition. And passion is one of those buzzwords that people have hijacked and just given a tons of different meaning to. And now everyone's trying to pursue their passion and it's not working out and they're trying to figure out why it's not working. It's because just like every other emotion, passion comes and goes. That's why relationships that are predicated and founded on passion, once they get older, end up in divorce. Because the passion fades eventually. And so you don't have something that's a more grounding, something that's that transcend just the emotions. You're eventually going to be screwed over, and the time's going to come where it's like that passion's going to fade, and now you have a midlife or quarter life crisis, and this thing that you were pursuing. So it's not that passion is a bad thing; it's just that it shouldn't be your north star. It shouldn't be the thing that you orient your life around. It's like pretty much building a house on the sand. Yeah, you got the beach views, 
but you're only one high tide away from where the house comes crumbling down. So that's why passion can lead you astray. Now, as for your why, if you ask 10 people, what's your why? Or who's your why, right? Majority of the times, they're going to name or list somebody that's not them. It could be their friends. It could be their children. It could be their spouse. It could be whatever it may be, right? Let's use a children example. Let's say your why is your kids. Everything that you're doing in life, your business, your goals, your hard work, it's all because your kids. Now your kids turn 22, they get, they leave the nest, they're on their own, they don't need you anymore. Now you spent 22 years of your life doing everything for your kids, for them to get, sign a lease and fly out, and now they have their own spot, they left the nest, and now everything that you've been doing your life for, now that's gone, out the window. Now you're in the same scenario. Midlife, quarter life crisis, don't know what you want to do for yourself, don't know who you're doing it for anymore, because the person or the thing you were doing before no longer needs you to do it for them or no longer wants you to do it for them. Right? Let's say you have a spouse and you're doing it for your spouse and then you guys end up in divorce. Well, I don't think they want you to do anything for for them any, you know, after that. So it's like you have to put yourself first in order to show up as the best version for yourself for other people. And Drake says a line in one of his songs, I forget which song, but it's uh what's the move? Can I tell the truth if I was doing this for you, then I have nothing left to prove. Nah, this for me, though. I just got to stay alive and take care of my people. And trophies, that's the song. There we go. And I love that quote because it's like, if you don't put you first, you will never be able to show up as the husband or the father or the dad or the friend or the business owner that you need to be in those different areas of life. So it's figuring out how do you put yourself first so that you can be there for everyone, not how can you put yourself first so you can be a selfish, you know, person, individual that doesn't care about anyone. It's realizing that you're the center of your own world, but not the center of the world around you. And so figuring out, as I said, how can you show up as the best version of yourself without screwing yourself over? Yes. And I like I like that distinction. I think that's so important, the distinction of doing it for yourself so you can show up as your best version and give people the best version as opposed to, because I think what ends up happening is whenever we think, oh, we're doing something for ourselves, we have like this internalized guilt of like, oh, that's selfish. But why is it selfish? If I know that doing these things makes me the best version of myself and I can show up for you much so much better, why wouldn't I want to do that? Um, but I think it's a, I don't know if it's a societal thing, if it's just a human thing, but it's definitely something I feel like a lot of people struggle with. And as for the why, I like your explanation. I have a little bit of a different take on it. I agree that it can lead you astray, but I look at it as kind of fluid, like ever changing. Mm-hmm. For me, my why is not kids. It's not a person, but it's been really important because business is hard, man. And sometimes you're like, and going back and reminding myself why I am willing to make the sacrifices and do the things that I'm doing has been important. Now, the difference is though, it's not just some like fly by night why. Like I literally took it seven layers deep. I sat there like hours on end, really distilling down the to my core what's important. And that might change. That might shift. Like once I achieve something that makes that obsolete, then it might change. But for right now, I can tell some days it is it is why I keep doing what I'm doing. And then on the good days, of course, you don't need it, right? Because you just it's fun to do it on the good days. <laughs> yeah. And then you took it to that next level that most people never take it to. It's like, oh, what's your why? Uh, X. And they name something. 
That's it. Why is that your why? Um, I don't know. That's it, right? Most people never take, as you said, that seventh level. So that's like when you keep it super surface level, that's when you can kind of get screwed over. But they always, there's a saying that I love. It's a person with a strong enough why can endure anyhow, right? So you need that why. And not that these are bad things. It's just that, you know, if you don't use them correctly, if you use them in the wrong way, you can be left stranded and not know what to do with yourself. So it's being intentional kind of like you are you took it seven level deep is this really a strong why or is this just something as you said that's fly by night right for sure and i feel like so i don't have kids so i think it maybe that was helpful for me because i kind of had to force myself to take it deeper but yeah it's it was a it was a really useful tool for me in finding not passion but purpose so that's another thing that i've never heard of this term before all right icky guy am i am i saying that right yeah Okay. You you had this somewhere and I'm like, I've literally never heard of that, but I'm a super fan of some Japanese ideas. So um, do you want to share where you learned about that and what it is? Yeah. So a little bit of context. So around the time of between like September, November-ish, I was in a point where um, I had my real estate license and you read my bio earlier. It sounds really good because I hired someone on Fiverr to do it for me and they made it sound super nice. But I was had my real estate license I wasn't closing any deals. My real estate leads were falling through the crack. I started up an SMMA. And after my first client, I realized that I already create content for myself. I really don't want to do this for other people, right? So I had to scrap that idea. And then I was doing a podcast. My numbers were going down month after month, despite me dropping weekly episodes and despite me posting almost three reels a day for a good point of t- chunk of time. And then I was still working at a restaurant, which I wanted to leave around this time last year from the time we're recording now. So nothing that I was doing was going my way. My plans weren't unfolding the way I planned, and I wasn't succeeding in any of my endeavors. And I thought because I was young and hungry and determined that I could figure it out and make it all work. And I was extremely naive to think so. But once I realized that I needed to do some more searching within to see what it really was that I felt that I needed to focus on, I came across a topic called Ikigai. And for anyone that doesn't know what it means, it's a Japanese concept that stands for your reason for being. And the people where this concept originates from have one of the longest life expectancies on the planet. And so pretty much in a nutshell, it's the intersection of four circles, what you love to do, what does the world need, what you can be rewarded for, and what you're good at. And when those four circles intersect, that's where you find your ikigai. That's interesting. So, and that, as I'm thinking about what you're saying is like the group of people that created it. I've seen diagrams like that before, but I think they're probably co-op. They're probably co-opted from this original, right? Because they're called something different. Yeah. But when you think about it, we hear these stories of like so and so, you know, was on their. It's kind of morbid, but like they were on their deathbed, and and like their wife or their son was coming to see them, and they waited until they got there, and then they you know let go and passed away, and it's like. Wow, because that's a purpose, right? They're holding on for a reason. So if we have a reason, if we have a true purpose that we're walking in, then it does feel like, you know, easier maybe to create that longevity as as part of what we're doing. It, it's scientifically proven too that once your significant other passes away, when you're of that, like when you're elderly, you're more likely to pass away shortly after. Because that thing, that reason for being, right, or the person that you were probably holding on for, once they're gone, it's like, well, what else do you have to cling on to? I mean, as long as you liked them, right? 
Uh, yeah, there's that, right? I mean, listen, <laughs> there's some arranged Hopefully. marriages. Probably like, finally, he's gone. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. Some of the studies show that arranged marriages actually lead up, uh, end up with less Better. divorce rates than, uh, than what we got going on here in the West. Well, actually, I can kind of see why that might be, though, because when you're in an arranged marriage, it's it's like it's the negative thing that I have a negative view of, like the um, online dating world. And the whole reason is because it's like this swipe mentality, right? Everything is so easy. A red flag is like, oh, you sip your soup wrong. And like, oh, nope, there's an easy, there's another one out there somewhere for me, right? Everything's so easy. We give up so easy. With an arranged marriage, it's almost like because it's arranged, because it's forced, it's almost like you realize right up front that it's going to be hard and you're already needing to do you already know you have to do the work as opposed to this mindset of like oh there's plenty of fish in the sea we can just go find another one you know what i mean yeah 100% it's one of those things where it's like people have gotten so used to the social media and you could just see everybody in the world and it's like that's not realistic you're not going to see majority of these people ever and it's really changing the landscape and i feel bad cuz there's a lot of young men that are just lost and a lot of people that are just getting airheaded and becoming super like, oh my goodness, I'm on top of the world. I'm untouchable. And it's leading to so many downfalls. And that we could probably hop on a whole another podcast and just have a conversation on that alone. But that's something where it's like, God, please help us because that's just headed in the very, like in a very wrong direction. And that's going to screw up dating for a lot of people. And people already feel less connected, even with all the social media. Like studies shown, like after the pandemic, like people have all time high of feeling depressed and lonely. And it's like we have all these social media platforms. We still have FaceTime. We still have Skype, Zoom. We're on what stream Squadcast right now. All these different platforms to video chat and talk to people and see people. And despite all that, it's like we feel lonely and lonelier each year. And this virtual dating scene isn't really helping out either. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot to be learned and adjusted. Um, and I think a big part of it is people need to get out of their own way and stop thinking that everyone, everything is going to be catered to them and that things are going to be easy because they're not. They never are. The next thing's going to be hard too. It's just pick the right hard, right? But you can't pick the right hard unless you find it. You know what I mean? Unless you yeah. try different things. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's one of those things just like, Picking the right heart is something that is worth the thought that you have to put into it. It's something that definitely you need to, I'm not going to say need because it implies a little bit of judgment, but something that I would highly suggest trying to figure out because it's like life is hard. A lot of it is hard. Choose your struggle. Pick your poison. It, it, there's no way around it, right? Whether you want to fight all your heart, you know, face all your hardships in the beginning, become an entrepreneur, take the untraditional route or set up your own business or become successful early on and work a hundred hours in your, in your twenties so that you can retire earlier or whether you want to live very, you know, lavishly and frivolously and spend money and then have all your regrets and stuff like that in the back end when money's super tight and now you're 60 and can't really do much. Like, there's no escaping the hardship of life. You're going to face it one way or another. For sure. So at the ripe age of 21, do you know your purpose? Or do you feel like you know your purpose? Yeah, my mission in life is to enlighten and empower young adults to build wealthy, abundant lives. 
that is what I feel called to do. That's why I'm going so hard with the podcasting thing. That's why I'm going so hard trying to meet like more amazing people such as yourself and just gain new perspectives and hone my message and hone my storytelling skills and become a better speaker and become a better communicator because I genuinely feel that this message, like financial literacy and entrepreneurship and thinking abundantly, that's something that I never talked about. So it's me just filling the gap that I had in myself just for other people so that they don't have to go through what I went through. And I'd say that in a way that it, it may come off as like, I didn't have it that bad. Like I, I grew up in the projects. Money was tight. We had to boil cold, you know, warm water sometimes because we didn't have warm water to shower with. Like we definitely struggled. Like money was never uh, something that came by easily. But despite that, I decided to be a product of my decisions and not a product of my environment. Mm. And I'm making that conscious decision every day. And I'm not going to let my past define who I am or limit who I can become. And just continuing to do so, helping other people and spreading my message and getting better at spreading messages and then helping more people with what I missed and may it change their future. Maybe, but the way it seems we live you know, whatever you believe in, we've been here on this planet for a long time and no one's been able to solve this poverty gap thing that we are. People are going to throw in different ideas and capitalism, you know, whatever idea they can throw on. But we have people go to the moon. We have people invent electricity. We have people do amazing things and we're all still dealing with this money issue. So it's like finding a way that I could potentially help to that cause. Not saying I'm going to find the answer, but I could help more people from stopping them from struggling as much and helping them understand it at a younger age where it, it can really shift someone's trajectory like big time. So that's what I feel called to do. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were saying and how you define wealth. And I, I'm attaching this in my own words to mindset because I also believe very strongly in choice, um, in the value of choice. And I think that, you know, your example, we have people going to the moon, we have all these things. There's a scarcity mindset that like the rich are on, are the only ones that are ever going to be rich. And so therefore we shouldn't even pursue it because that's not for us. Whereas if you take the walk, <laughs> take the walk on your own and change your mindset to something that you believe that you can do, then you can really change, change a lot. But it takes each individual to do that for sure. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, this walk that we're on, right, to use the same theme, it's it's something that you can decide to hop on. And there's a quote, right, and it comes from the Bible. It's, to those who have everything, all will be given. And to those who have nothing, everything will be taken or something along those lines. And it kind of makes it seem like, hey, this kind of sucks. Like we have no chance. But we think about it like Monopoly. And life in Monopoly has a lot of similarities. And no matter how you distribute the money, somehow, some way, one person always ends up with more. And now is that unfair? Maybe. Is that just life? Maybe. Whose issue is that? No one, but that's the game. And we can't just crap up this whole game and abandon, jump ship, right? It's This is how it is for whatever reason. It's how it works. Some people may want it more. Some people may be more skilled. Some people may do things. But despite that, we can all achieve a level of wealth as I said, not just financially, that helps us sustain a life where we don't have to worry about if we have $500 saved for emergency expense so that we don't have to worry about, hey, if I misuse this paycheck, I am entirely screwed until the next one. 
right? It's like little things like that. It's like, don't take that much money to start investing in yourself and raising your level and skills. And we talked about entrepreneurship slightly, but I think it's not about starting your own business, but the way of life. Like, look at, you know, you spend a, a, a day on a cruise with a billionaire, right? I spend a day with a billionaire. It's like, how much time do you spend around successful people? Like entrepreneurs spend so much time around other successful people, around people who want to grow, reading books, listening to podcasts, networking, investing in themselves, taking courses, and just bettering themselves. Most people after school never invest in themselves ever again for the rest of their life. It's like, of course, there's going to be some people that want it more and, and obtain more. And not saying you have to start your own business, but you definitely have to start living like an entrepreneur in terms of how much investment and time goes into personal development. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you want something more, you have to be something more, be around something more, believe something more is out there for you. And, you know, going back to your Bible quote, I'm familiar with it, but I'm not contextually familiar with it. Like, I don't know where it is, yeah. but this is the other thing we have to remember about the Bible is that it's all, number one, it's interpreted from an entirely different language. So depending on which text you're reading, it says something entirely different. But also just in general, if we just take that flat quote for what it is, maybe it means mindset. Maybe it means for all that have the abundant mindset, they will get. And for those that who have the um, negative yes, mindset, yes. that that's what they'll get. Because it's all our interpretation. And so I think there's power in interpretation. Because if we want to look at it from the negative mindset, then that's where we're going to live. Yeah. And to tie it back into that, right? So your show is called Diversity on Fire, right? One of the things, so I grew up Dominican. I grew up in the hood. Like I have so many, I dropped out of college, right? That's not, there's so many statistics that uh, we, I could fall under. And there's so many stories that people tell alongside those statistics. Oh, you didn't have a dad in your life. You're more likely to go to jail. You're more likely to do X, Y, Z. Oh, you grew up in the projects. You're more likely to do this. But I mentioned earlier, being a product of my decision, right? And we're force-fed a lot of different narratives in this country, uh, in the U.S. And it's like one of those things where it's like, when you realize, as you said, that you have that mindset of abundance, that you can have everything, that all we ever needed to thrive was is deep within us. And we just have to uncover that. And it's not about finding it. It's really about uncovering it because it's within. It's not like there's some answer out there. Like you have to find the Krabby Patty formula and go out searching for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you have the answers to life. It's like, no, you just have to uncover more. That's really all it is. And there's another big quote I love. It's when you were born, you look like your parents. And when you die, you look like your choices. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little bit, it hits a little deeper, but that one's just like, you, you got to think about a lot of this stuff, man. Is it, the, what are the narratives that you, you've been fed? And are those narratives true because they're actually true or because it's easier for you to not do anything and not change yourself and just continue to go alongside those narratives? Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. What are the narratives that you've been fed and which ones are you actually feasting on? Because there is a difference there too. There's a lot of information out there coming at us all at once. Um, and we get to choose going back to choice. I love that you say this so much because it's right along the same mindset that I have. You get to choose which ones that you accept or decline to participate in. And I think that's really important choice. So just circling back to your root story, 
you know, what that you shared right at the beginning. How do you think that upbringing, like specifically, how do you think that that upbringing shaped the way that you see the world today and how you interact with the world today? It shaped the way I view the world because it gave me an awareness as to how life could be struggling. A lot of people don't really know what struggle is. And for me, struggle, it's not even that bad because I have first world struggles. Like, I don't know what it means to really struggle. I grew up in the projects, but we had a roof over our head. Like, I didn't have it that bad, nor do most people here in this country ha- ever have it that bad. Right. And that's not to downplay anyone's situation. It's just like, you really want to see something bad, go to North Korea. Like, I heard one lady on a podcast, she escaped from North Korea and ended up graduating from Columbia. And she was on this other guy's podcast that I was been listening to. And she was just sharing her story of like what it was like living over there. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't have the right to complain about anything. Like, I'm not saying that everyone else has to adopt this mindset. This is just how I've seen it. I was just like, there's people out there that have it horribly. And people complain about simple things like, oh, why is the heat not on? It's too cold in here. It's like, there's people that literally have no house and live in the desert. Like, you worry about the, you know, or, or like, or, live in cold weather than are, are sleeping outside in Iceland because they don't have a home. And like Iceland, it's freezing. Like people have it really bad in other parts of the world. And for me, it's like growing up in the hood, growing up the way I grew up, it gives you a lot of perspective into struggling. And being street smart is something that gives you a different edge in life. I'm not saying you have to be in the streets, but it's something where it's like, I was never involved in the antics, but I had tons of people who were. And knowing that that's a route that I could go down and actively choosing not to at every step of my life is something that it gives you a lot of confidence to stand in your own shoes and to stay, be your, your true to who you really are. Because it's like at one false turn, I could have easily ended up going down around me. It was always there. The opportunity is always there. And it goes back to the idea of virtuous, being virtuous. We didn't really talk about this on this podcast, but is the rabbit who never harmed someone virtuous because they never harmed someone? One may say yes, but one may also disagree because a rabbits don't really have the potential to hurt. So are you virtuous because you don't? And is the lion that chooses not to kill someone despite being clearly super capable of ripping somebody's head to shreds? Like, but chooses not to. Is that what true virtue is? Like, if you never took a wrong turn in life, but you never really seen or had an opportunity to do so, is that really virtuous? Or have you just not been ever exposed to that opportunity? And so, like, for me, I lived in the hood. So it's like, I had the opportunity at all times. And it's like, constantly choosing no definitely helped me. And then going, growing up in the church as well, definitely helped me build up a lot of character and virtue very early on and those are things that have stuck with me from as little as i can remember to now and i have a lot of traits that i developed that i hold very near and dear to my heart and i am going to you know keep on living with those core values tied to me for as long as i can i probably can because as i said they've, they've been serving me they helped me not steer down the wrong path despite being always being able to so it's something that definitely helped shape me into the man I am today and something that will help continue to shape me as I 
progress in my journey. I think that's really powerful, especially to share on this topic and also this show, because I I can't say that I've thought about it that way, but there's oftentimes judgment, not oftentimes, <laughs> all the time, judgment yeah. and stereotyping and all this stuff, you know, some sort of superiority because someone else has made different choices, but it's not, it's not equal because we, we didn't face the same questions. We didn't face the same challenges or decisions. So you can't say you're better just because you made a different decision when you weren't confronted with the same level of bad decisions as options. Anyways, I really like that. I mean, you said it much better than I did, but I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to share before I get to the final three questions? I'll make this one quick. And I came up with this idea not too long ago, but one of the other things people talk about on the topic of diversity, right? A lot of people that are struggling always talk about, oh, people who are spoon fed, silver spoon fed have it so much easier, right? We're talking about choices. And one thing I came to the realization not too long ago is like, no matter what utensil you eat with, the appetite a person has doesn't change. So you can give a silver spoon to someone who isn't hungry and they'll never accomplish much in life. Right? And you can give that same, or you give a, 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 a wooden spoon to somebody, right? And they'll eat twice as much, 10 times as much and accomplish so much more in life. Right? So I don't, don't get so caught up looking at other people's decision or other people's cards that they were dealt. As I said, focus on what you got in front of you and how hungry you are. And that is going to make more of a difference than complaining about not having the same utensils or not having the same cards as someone else. Awesome. All right. So the last three questions are kind of, they're mostly the same that I ask everyone. The first one is an action item. So I like my guests to leave the audience with an action item. So this one was actually taken right from your profile. What is one thing, or excuse me, one change everyone listening can make today to help steer them towards a life of fulfillment? One thing that you could do is ask yourself these three questions. First question, you win the Powerball tomorrow. You just get a, a billion dollar ACH transfer to your bank account, tax free. Boom. You never have to work another day in your life. Write down what do you spend your time doing now? You never have to work another day in your life ever again. You're good. You're set for life. Next question. Doctor calls a week later. Hey, Heather, uh, we got some bad news. Uh, your test results just came in and, um, you only got five years left. What do you do then? You just won the Powerball. You still have all this money. You're celebrating, probably still on the high. And now you only have five years left. What, this, what do you spend your time doing now? Then another week passes. Get another ring. It's the doctor's office. Uh, Heather, we actually read the test results wrong. Um, you got a day left. What do you spend that one day doing? Knowing that no amount of money will ever give you any of your time back. And it's not about getting to an answer. But that process will help you start to get a lot more clarity as to what you need to do in life or what you should be doing in life. Awesome. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. So next one is what are five words that you would use to describe John Mendez in this current phase of life? Honorable, creative, intentional, purposeful. That may be the same thing as intentional, honestly. And I'd say blessed. All right. And then where can we send everybody? How can they connect with you, stay in touch, learn more, podcast, all that stuff? Yeah, well, first of all, Heather, thanks for the opportunity. I had an amazing time talking to you today. And you asked a lot of good questions. And I got into a little bit into deeper thought than I do on most time, you know, most podcasts. So thanks again for this opportunity. Okay. I love this conversation. And if for anyone that found any value about 
um, any value in anything that I said. Uh, you can find me at www.walk2wealth.com. Again, that's www.walktowealth.com. There you can check out the podcast. There you can find me on all the social media platforms. It's all on that website. Awesome. And I will make sure that all that goes in the show notes. Thank you as well. I appreciate your time. I like your energy. I love the mindset. Keep doing your thing. Keep doing your thing. Thanks again, Heather. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, for listening in today. I hope this episode helped you see a new perspective. I believe through conversations just like this, we can all set fire to our ignorance and rise from those ashes together as better humans. Don't forget to do that little exercise John told us about. I think that's really interesting. The what would you do if you won the lottery question is very common, but the way he takes it even further, um, I think is really fascinating and it allows us to really distill what is in fact important to us. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions that we shared today, they're our own. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Connect with uh, Diversity on Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love your feedback. Head on over to whatever platform you use that allows ratings and drop us a love note. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Be sure to share this conversation and our show with others. And as always, until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversations going. Mm